What's in your wallet? I'm sure just about everyone is familiar with the Capital One commercials. They've had a number of celebrities uh, featured over the years, likes of Jennifer Garner, Samuel L. Jackson, Jimmy Fallon. I mean, they even had the Muppets on some of their commercials. All of them were promoting Capital One's credit card. And the point of the commercials was, make sure you have a Capital One credit card in your wallet so you get the most money back. And I would say their message obviously worked. Those commercials have been airing since 1994, just one year younger than me. <laughs> and it makes sense, right? Who wouldn't want extra money in their wallet? If I were to go to each of you and offer you $100, I don't think a single person would say, no thanks, I'm good. Now, as I'm talking about money, maybe the thought has crept into your mind. Is pastor going to say that it's bad to want money? Well, no. At uh, the surface value, at face value, it's not bad to want money. But in our appointed reading from Luke, Jesus does indirectly talk about what's in your wallet. Jesus talks about coveting, a.k.a. wanting more. Because that has been an issue uh, longer than back in Jesus' day, as a matter of fact. Uh, God actually gave commandments about not coveting. What God gave commandments about, what Jesus warns here about, is a message that still applies to us today. I mean, not every company has a uh, a slogan that catches on like what's in your wallet but the the general message of most entities in, in different words is chase the money for better or for worse money is at the center of a lot of aspects in our life I mean if you've ever been in a situation where money was scarce you understand the importance of having money Having money, in many ways, is being comfortable. Now, even though having money on its own is not a bad thing, sin tends to make it a bad thing, as sin does with everything. It, it takes something that is good at its core, and it corrupts it. Ever since our original parents, Adam and Eve, fell into sin, mankind has been striving after more, wanting more, finding comfort in how much wealth you can acquire. To an extent, that makes sense. If you can have a lot of money, you can be in control of a lot of aspects of your life. And who here doesn't want to be in control of their life? But what about the stuff you can't control? The man in, in Jesus' parable has a lot of wealth. You know, he found comfort in the wealth that he had uh, surmised. But in the end, his wealth, his, his uh, possessions, what he could control, didn't do anything for him. This man, whether directly or indirectly, worshipped his wealth. His wealth was his God, and in the end, his God did nothing for him. Well, 
I shouldn't say that. His, his God did a few things. It made him seek after more and more wealth. It gave him a false sense of security, and it ultimately distracted him from worshiping the true God. When we look to money, to wealth as our source of security, it is never going to satisfy. There are really two main problems that we tend to have with money, and this is uh, on page four of your uh, bulletin if you want to fill out the sermon notes. We either find security in having a lot of money or we want more of it so that we can have that security. Let me paint a, a picture of a scenario with two different perspectives. Your car dies and you have enough money that you don't have to worry about what's going to happen next. You know you can buy a new car and your finances won't be stretched too thin. You're able to be comfortable with the situation because you have enough money. Being in control of the situation gives you comfort. Now, on the other side of it, your car dies and let's say you don't have a lot of money. You're going to be worried about uh, figuring out how you're going to make ends meet. You're going to be racking your brain thinking, how am I going to pay for this car and for my kid's school and for the mortgage and groceries and everything else? Not having enough money for your new car is going to make you feel pretty uncomfortable. Not, having, uh, not being in control of the situation is going to make you uncomfortable. And if we're honest, I think our relationship with money is kind of a hard one to wrestle with. I mean, you, you simply, you need money to live. There's no two ways about it. But again, the issue is not having money. It's when money becomes the focus. When money becomes our source of identity, security, or purpose, that's when we have an issue. And if you're anything like me, it can be hard to not look to money for a sense of security. It can be hard to not want to be in complete control over that very important aspect of your life. You know, there's an often misquoted Bible passage that says, money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. And, and say it with me if you know it. It says that the love of of money is the root of all evil. Everything at its core is a good gift from God, money included. It's when we care more about or, or worship the gift rather than the giver that problems arise. The problem isn't about wealth. It's about the heart. With Jesus, it's not about what's in your wallet. It's about what's in your heart. Truth be told, there's probably a, a part of each of us who either longs for financial security if we don't already have it, or if we do, we find comfort in that. No matter what side of that equation we're on, there's a part of us that our, our comfort and security is tied to it. 
even if we slave away our whole lives working hard to have a robust bank account, what have we gained when we die and that money does nothing for us? All the money in the world can't make us happy. All the money in the world can't give us purpose. All the money in the world can't save us. We see so many people living only for the comfort and security that money gives. I want to now turn our attention from our appointed reading from Luke to, uh, to the text that immediately follows it. You know, so in this reading, Jesus talks about not chasing after money, not, not coveting. And then right after, he turns to a beautiful teaching about God's care for us. You can listen to this reading or you can also follow along. It's on page five of your bulletins. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? It's no accident that these texts are one right after another. You know, in the first reading, Jesus is building what it's like, uh, building up what it's like to seek after, to strive after wealth, to in a moment have it not matter, to be gone. But then, Right after Jesus lovingly shares these words of absolute freedom from the seemingly never-ending rat race. And he does it by holding up two of the most unimportant, worthless things that he could possibly talk about. He talks first about ravens. I would guess most people don't care about ravens except for maybe Edgar Allan Poe and maybe people from Baltimore. <laughs> A Baltimore Ravens joke for you this morning. In my study of this passage, it has some pretty strong words about ravens. What I found described them as the most useless type of bird. Ouch. Unlike all birds, they pretty much live hand to mouth. So like Jesus describes, they don't necessarily have a home. They don't meal plan. They just are. They, they just exist. They exist without any care about what is coming next. Yet, yet God knows their needs and he provides for them. These useless, unimportant birds that don't have a care in the world about what's coming next, God provides for their needs. If God provides for the needs of these lowly creatures, how much more is God going to take care of the needs of his treasured creatures among all his creation? God made us, you and me, in his image. 
He made us more important than animals. How much more does he care for you than he does a raven? Jesus then talks about something perhaps even less important than a raven. Lilies. For those of you who don't garden, like myself, uh, I looked up roughly how long a, a lily uh, lives, and I found a good arrangement of lilies lasts about two weeks, maybe more. So their shelf life is pretty short. And he compares lilies to King Solomon. King Solomon, who was rich, who was a respected king, dressed well, yet Jesus says that King Solomon wasn't dressed as beautifully as a lily. For as gloriously as King Solomon was dressed, God dresses these lilies which grow and die in a matter of weeks. He dresses them in more splendor. God cares for his creation. He cares for the needs of his created beings even the lowliest of them. How much more will God take care of the needs of his most precious creation? The God of the universe cares about these insignificant ravens that don't know what's coming next. God provides for them. And these lilies that at most live a few months, God clothes them in splendor and beauty. These things are on the very bottom of importance when it comes to the things that God has created, yet he cares for their needs. You and I are at the very top. Humans are the prize, the, the crown of God's creation. Remember back in Genesis when God created days one through five, what did God say? It is good. Day six, God creates mankind, and what does he say? It is very good. Look, I, I know I'm belaboring this point, but it's such an important point. God cares for the needs of his lowliest of creation. Humans are the prized possession of God's creation. How much more is God going to care and provide for the needs of his prized creation? Now, that, that doesn't mean that you will never have debt. That doesn't mean you will never have health issues. That doesn't mean that your life is going to be sunshine and rainbows. What it does mean is that you can live a life free of worry about what tomorrow brings, knowing that the God who created everything, the God who cares for the worthless sparrow, loves you. Is going to provide for your needs. The one who holds all things in his hands, he knows all. He knows our needs. There is nothing that happens that surprises God. He's working in all things for our good. Now, Jesus saying, don't worry, is not Jesus saying, don't plan. It is not Jesus saying, don't anticipate or don't look to the future. And that's an important distinction. And it's, uh, in fact, it's one of the ways that we are different from animals. 
the ability to plan and to anticipate. But here's the difference. How do we react when things don't go how we planned? How do you react? There's a lot of wrong ways and a few right ways. You know, I'm sure we can all reflect on times that we've reacted wrongly to when things don't go our, uh, how we planned. But here's what Jesus says we should do. Seek God's kingdom. Another way of saying that is like how Paul says in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Seeking God's kingdom is putting your focus on the things of God. It's prayerfully trusting in him to provide for your needs. I just love what Paul says will happen. He says, the peace of God, which the way I like to think of it, the peace of God, which just doesn't make sense, it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The word that is used there, guard, is, it would have been like what was used for military. A, a soldier guarding and defending. God is actively protecting you from the worry when you bring it to him in prayer. Doesn't mean we just pray one time and automatically takes care of it. You know, sometimes, sometimes we have to continue to be in prayer. But God is going to defend you with his peace. God cares for the, the lowly sparrows and the fleeting lilies. How much more does God care for you, his beloved child? With a God like that, who cares what's in your wallet? Amen. Dear God, we thank you that you know our needs. We thank you that you care for the needs of your creatures and God, sometimes it's hard to trust that you are. Sometimes there, there's a lot in our lives that happen that leave us vulnerable and uncomfortable, and, and it, it just feels so much easier if we were to try to take into our hands, Lord. Give us faith to trust in you, the one who holds all things, one who cares for the ravens and the lilies. Help us to trust in you that you know what we need and you provide for us how you see fit. Thank you, Lord. Pray this in your name. Amen. I invite you to stand for a song.